All right, let's go on before y'all get mad at me. Uh, hey, it was the middle of autumn. Middle of, winter was coming in, getting ready to come in. And, and on this, this uh, remote reservations, re- reservation, this group of Indians went to their newly appointed chief. And they're like, chief, winter's you know, going to be coming. We didn't know, is it going to be a harsh winter? Is it going to be a mild winter? And, and so the chief, he was new to this. He was never taught the ways of looking at the signs or different things and reading it and seeing how the weather was going. So he just like, he was going to be safe. Guys, you know what? It's going to be a cold winter. Start collecting wood. A couple of days passed, and uh, he thought, man, I just, I better make, I'm new at this. I don't want to ruin my first thing they've asked me as chief. So he calls the local weather station. And he talks to meteorologists and said, hey, I need to ask you, are y'all expecting a harsh or mild winter? And the guy says, well, we believe it's going to be a cold winter. So, hold on just one second. <coughs> there we go. I put my pack somewhere and I do not know to turn it off. There it is. Okay. Um, so it's going to be a harsh winter. So he goes back. He tells his, his tribe, he says, hey, listen, guys, it's going to be a cold winter. I need you to start collecting even more wood. They start collecting. Well, a couple of weeks pass. He calls the weather. The chief goes back to because he just wants to make sure. He says, listen, is it, is it going to be a cold weather? The meteorologist is like, look, man, it's looking like it's going to be a very harsh winter. Chief goes back to his people. Listen, I need you to start collecting all the woods you can get. I mean, just start piling it up. It's going to be a harsh winter, one of our harshest ever. So they start collecting it. Well, he calls. A couple weeks pass. He calls back to the weather station, and he says, "Listen, I need you. I need to be sure. Is this going to be? Is it going to be a harsh or mild winter?" The guy said, "Listen, man, it is looking like it's going to be one of our harshest winters." He said, "Well, how can you tell?" He said, "Because the Indians are packing up wood like crazy." <laughs> Some of y'all will have to have that explained to you. That's all right. Hey, let's do something. What is your absolute favorite season of the year? Hold on a minute. Some of y'all are too jumpy, man. Hold on. I'm going to name them. And by show of hands, if that's your favorite season, I want to see it ready. How many of you say your favorite season is spring? Spring, we got a few. How many summer? You love summer. Got a few. How many of you say it's fall or autumn? Look, all the hands. How many love winter? Say we got a few crazy people. (laughs) See, for the most part, we are not winter people. I mean, let's be honest. Those that say, I love winter, give them a couple weeks of just where you're stuck with your family and your kids. You can't get out. Please, God, let spring get here. Please. (laughs) Please, God. Let the ice melt. Because for the most part, we're not, and I, I have a feeling that people that move here from the north that actually have rough winters, they laugh at us. Some of y'all are laughing right now. Listen, don't get cocky. Here in East Tennessee, though, we can lose our minds in the winter. What, what do you mean? Here, here's the thing. If there is just a hint of snow, hey, you don't want to be at Piggly Wiggly 
I'm telling you, we go by the mantra, no bread or milk left behind. It is like Black Friday shopping. You're just fighting people, trying to get the last, and you finally get a loaf of bread that's been squeezed in every which way. We, we, we lose our minds. And, and, and so you go, you get that bread and milk. Hey, how many, this is going to age some of you, but I need you to be honest. How many remember a time when you didn't have streaming services like Netflix or Hulu, but you had to go to the video store? Yeah. See, we would clean out local video stores if we thought it was going to get snowed in. And as soon as they mention snow, you better get there. Because if you don't, you're going to be watching Ernest Saves Christmas for the hundredth time. <laughs> and you can only laugh at that guy for so long. And then you realize, man, this guy, you know, I feel bad. I think this guy's just dumb. <laughs> and I'm just laughing at a guy that's dumb. So, but I lose to love Ernest. Anyway, and if school, listen, if you're a teacher or a student in this area, if they say it's going to snow, Listen, they'll cancel school for a week. No school for a week. It, it, it's over. So we lose our minds. But then you've got that breed of Southerners that thrive in the winter. They pray the roads freeze over. Because then they can get their four-wheel drives out. And they get them out and they hope they come across somebody that's went off into a ditch. Then they can actually use that four-wheel drive for some good. Get those chains out. I've been saving these chains forever. Wrap it up. They pull them out of that. And then, they, you know, if you've ever been there, you get this look like, what an idiot for driving around like this. A four-wheel drive. And here, I grew up in the metropolis of Graysville, Tennessee. So let me just say, when the roads froze over or snow covered the roads, listen, it, the streets of Graysville turned into a redneck amusement park. <laughs> true story. I'll give you a true story. Um, when mom and dad were pastors here uh, and, and mom was over the youth, we went, on, we went to this concert when, uh, one night down in Chattanooga. And mom had all the young people down. We had like 15 or 20 of us piled into a van. Listen, we didn't care if there were only 15 seats. We piled in as many as you could get. How many remember those days? Yeah. And so it's called, they're calling for snow. But here if they call for snow, whatever. But it actually snowed. And we're on our way back, and it's getting bad. I mean, the roads are getting covered. Snow is coming down like crazy. So, Mom, we get back to the house. He said, listen, call your parents. Tell them you're just going to stay here tonight. There's no need to get out. So there was like 15, 20 people at our house, and the roads were covered. Well, my be uh, best friend at the time, Jimbo, Faith's son, he had driven his station wagon down to the house to, to meet to go to the concert that night. Well, about 2 in the morning when Mom and Dad were asleep, we said, what can we do? Snow looks so pretty out. And I said, hey, my neighbors have got some water skis and a rope. You've got your dad's station wagon. So I snuck outdoors and borrowed their skis and rope. We, we, we took the screws and the fins off those water skis, put that rope at the back of that station wagon, and we skied all over the streets of Graysville at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Why? Because that's what you do in the South when, it, when you finally get snow. 
No lie. We, we, I was a youth. I was one of the youth leaders when we took our youth up to Winterfest in in Pigeon Forge. We hadn't seen snow. Our young people hadn't seen snowing forever. That's true. And so it's snowing. Well, what do we do? We're we're like let's do a snowball fight right outside the hotel. We're snowball fight. Well, the the people that the workers at the hotel did not like it, and so they approached us and said, "Hey, we need to know where's your youth leaders." And I began to explain to the woman, listen, you, we, we, these people ain't have snow. You can't let it snow and not expect a snowball fight. She was not happy with that answer. But anyway. <laughs> but the thing is, we, we may say we like winter, and I like the cold. I do. Like, if it's 20 degrees outside and the sun's out, I love that. Going out and breathing in that cold, I love it. But now, if it's dreary... And there's nothing worse than a cold rain. Come on. We don't like winter as much as we think we do. But I'm learning that Christians don't like winter either. Why? Because for the most part, we haven't been taught how to get through a season of winter. And when I say winter, I'm not just talking about a season of cold weather. I'm talking about a season in your life when it feels like nothing is going as planned. When life hits you out of, out of nowhere. And you're like, what, what is going on? But I think we need to understand, because we're terrible at this, is we need to understand that everybody's winter is not the same. And we've we got to stop comparing our winter with somebody else's. Because here, here's, as I look around this room, here's what I see. Because I know a lot of the stories. I see people that are going through different seasons, different winters. I see people that are going through some physical ailments in their body. People with cancer. People with MS, MD. People with blood disorders. People are going through some hard times. I, I see people that are trying to, to improve their life, and they're going to school. They've, they've decided to go back to school to improve their life. But right now, they're tired, and they're thinking, is this even worth it? Come on. I, I see people that on the outside, their marriage looks incredible. But every Sunday morning before they walk through those doors, they put on that mask to make everybody think it's great. But inside, it's falling apart. And then I've also seen people that their health is great, finances are great, but they have no joy. So we need to understand everybody's winter is different. And here's what you need to understand. If you're taking notes, uh, whatever winter season, whether it's harsh or cold, whatever it is, you need to understand this. You may not have chosen your winter, but you can choose your response. Are you hearing me? You didn't choose what you're going through. You didn't choose the sickness. You didn't choose the divorce. You didn't choose this battle. Come on. You didn't choose what you're going through right now. But you do get to choose how you respond to it. Now listen, I'm not going to stand up here and try to give you a list of why this is happening to you. This is why your health is failing. This is why your finances are in the dumpster. This is why your marriage is suffering. 
I believe a lot of times when we try to start answering those questions, we create more questions. So I'm not going to uh, uh, act like I know all the, the reasons. I believe, now, I do believe this. I believe there are seasons we find ourselves in that because of decisions and things we've done, we brought that season on. And we've got to take responsibility for those seasons. But what we're really looking at today is seasons that you didn't choose. You didn't want it. You didn't ask for it. And so I'm not going to get up here and try to give you the answers as for why God allowed you to go through a certain season. See, here's the truth. There are some things I will never understand when it comes to God and why. Are you hearing me? I'll never understand the why uh, the season Denise and I walked through where we both lost our dad, dads within a four to six month period. Both our dads died. I'll never understand the season we walked through, Denise and I walked through when we lost our son. I'll never understand the season this church and us walked through when my mother was sick. There's some seasons that you're going to walk through that you will never understand. Can I be honest? I don't understand the season that Denise is going through with her health. And I, don't, I didn't get to choose it. But I do get to choose how we respond to it. When it comes to unwrapping the true Christmas story and has, how it relates to this, not getting to choose in your response, I want you to think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, you've got this young teenage girl She's engaged. She's kept herself for her future husband. She's in the middle of planning a wedding, in the middle of dreaming about her future, and an angel shows up, says, hey, you found favor with the Lord. You're going to get pregnant, but not by the guy you're engaged to. And Mary starts asking questions. Check it out, Luke 1, 34 and 35. Mary says, how's this going to be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Can I be honest? This doesn't sound like favor to me. You know what sounds like favor to me? Hey, you have been found highly favored. Your wedding is going to be paid for. Hey, you have been highly favored. You're going to get the dream job you've always wanted. Hey, you've been highly favored. All your ailments, all the sickness, you're going to be healed of it all. That sounds like favor, not, hey, you've been favored. Here's how you're going to know it's favor. Everything you've been planning, throw it out the window. Because you're about to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to go convince mom and dad that you didn't get pregnant by some guy or the guy you're engaged to, but the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to explain to your soon-to-be husband that you're pregnant, but the baby's not his, but it's not because you've been sleeping around. Come on, does that sound like favor? Come on, let's be honest. That doesn't sound like favor to me. But we need to understand when we unwrap the Christmas story, Mary was placed in a winter season of her life where she would face some things she never asked for. She never chose for herself. 
And the thing is, Mary's winter, it didn't just last nine months. It was the 33 years of off-again, on-again winter seasons. When she would look at that baby, when she would look at that toddler playing with the other children, when she'd look at that teenager out with his friends, when she'd look at that young adult that was learning the trade of, as a carpenter, and she would have to know in the back of her mind, one day, my son's going to die a brutal death that he did not choose or that he may have chosen, but I did not choose this for him. So when it comes to someone being put into a situation, a season they didn't ask for, didn't choose, I think we're going to learn a lot from the way Mary responded. In fact, look at Luke 1.38. Here was her response. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She didn't choose this situation. But her response that day set her on a trajectory of her life that 2,000 years later, we would still be talking about her. Her response. Here's what I know, guys. Some of you, either here or watching online, you're walking through a winter season right now that you didn't choose. You would have never chosen it. But what you do get to choose is how you respond to it. And your winter season may be a Tennessee winter where maybe two months you have off again, cold, a little bit of cold, maybe a chance of snow, or it may be a South Dakota winter where for four months out of the year, it's below zero. Different winters. But whatever winter it is, don't look at somebody else's winter compared to yours because it's not their response that's going to get you through this. It's how you respond to your winter. Turn with me to John 15. Starting with verse 1. Let me give me a drink of water here. Starting with verse 1. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, this does not sound like a Christmas scripture. You're correct. But I think when we unwrap Christmas... And how we respond to different seasons in our life as Mary, I think these verses can speak a lot to how we respond. I believe our response is critical when we are in these winter seasons. So what I want to do is those verses we just read, I want to look at three things that God may be trying to do in you when you're in a winter season. If you're taking notes, the first thing is this. 
He may be trying to prepare you for something. He may be using this season, this winter, to prepare you for something. See, I think what we need to do is reframe our questions because usually when we're going through a winter season, the biggest question we begin to ask is why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to someone I love? Why? What I think we need to do is reframe, the, reframe that question to what? What is God trying to do in me? What is he trying to prepare me for? Is there something that he's trying to prepare inside of me? And if we could shift that question from why to what, I believe it would help us when we respond in these winter seasons. See, see when our, our minds, listen, when it stays in a, in a mindset of why, 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 we can't live a life of victory because we're always the victim. Why, why, why? We're always the victim in that. Instead of God, what are you trying to do? What are you? Look at John 15.1. This is Jesus talking. He says this, I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. What is the first five words that Jesus says? I am the true vine. What's he saying? I know who I am in this. I'm not the gardener. I'm not the gardener. I'm the vine. My father is the gardener. My father is the one that knows how to make stuff grow. Are you following? My father is the one that's got the green thumb that knows how to make things grow. And here's why it's important for us to understand this. Because when we settle in our heart that God is the master gardener in our lives, then we can understand, hey, God, this doesn't feel good but you're the gardener and you know how to make stuff grow and I trust you with this season of my life right now. Maybe you're in a winter season and you keep asking, man, when is this going to end? Will this ever be over? Poet by the name of Percy Shelley, I love the way he puts it, says, oh, wind, if winter comes, can spring be far behind? What he's saying is this. If you're going through a season where you can't see anything happening, where nothing seems to be going in your favor, what you need to remember is winter simply makes way for the spring. The spring is coming. It's coming. Hey, anybody remember the the movie Click with Adam Sandler? I mean, the jest of the movie, he comes across this magic remote control where he can fast forward through times of his life that he doesn't like or doesn't want to be there. Wouldn't that be great if, that, if, if we had that? I could just fast forward through this season and get to the good stuff. Wouldn't it be great? The problem is we live in the real world, and we don't have that option. But what we can do is choose how we respond and say, God, I'm going to receive whatever preparation you're doing in me right now. This season in my life, I'm going to choose to submit it to your hands. I may not like it. I didn't choose it, but I'm going to give it to you and trust you in it. Because here's what we understand. During the winter, the ground is, is resting. It's getting to rest. Nutrients that were just... Uh, Put through it, it's getting those back. 
The soil is getting those nutrients back. And that why? Because when spring comes around, what once looked dead and barren is now full of life. Let me ask you, could it be that the winter you're in right now in this season of your life, could it be that spring is right around the corner? And that something that looked dead in your life, something that looked hopeless, something you didn't understand, something you was wishing it would be over, that you're going to see it bloom. And what was dead and barren, there is going to be life there. Could that be the case? There's times he's preparing you for something. Second, there's times he lets you go through that to prune something from you. To cut some things out of your life, off your life, that is holding you back. There's a process to this. Look at it. Uh, Check out verse 2. This is Jesus. He, God, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Follow me. Because the way that's read sounds nice, but follow me. Jesus says, if you don't bear fruit, you'll get cut off. If you do bear fruit, you're going to get cut back. You're going to get cut either way. Are you hearing me? You're going to get cut either way. If you bear fruit, you get cut. If you don't bear fruit, you get cut. I have walked through so many winter seasons of my life where this has taken place, and here's what I've learned. I'd rather get cut back than cut off. What am I saying? I'm saying I would rather, if I've got to walk through this dark season, if I've got to walk through this time I did not choose, I would rather walk through it connected to God than without Him. I'm telling you, pruning isn't fun, church. I mean, I don't know any tree limbs or flowers that have been pruned, but I can't imagine they walked away from that thinking, whoa, that felt good. I know me, I know I've really never walked away from a pruning that God has done in my life and thought, man, that was enjoyable. Let's do that again, God. But he's preparing us for something. The third thing he may be trying to do, prove something through you. Prove something through you. And before I continue, I want to be very clear about something before we go on this next part. Don't take what I'm about to say that I'm implying that God does bad things to his children. Because as a father, I would never send one of my children into a bad situation just to hurt them. And God is way better father than I am. So I don't believe that God does things to punish you or mess with you. There's a story in Job about a guy named Job. Imagine that. Some of y'all have never read that book because you thought it was pronounced Job. Uh, let's move. <laughs> That's the last thing I need. Now let's move on. Because let's, let's, I'm about to get in trouble. Uh, if you don't know the story, the story, it, it talks about the devil approaching God. And God's like, hey, what have you been doing, devil? They were like, I've been looking around, I've been trying to find people to mess with. Man, people, people are so easy. 
I'd throw the smallest thing at them and they just quit believing in you right away. He, hey, have you ever looked at Job? Because Job is solid as they come. And the devil's like, the only reason Job doesn't walk away from you is because you're so good to him. You allow me to take the things he loves, the things he values away from him, and you'll see how quickly he runs from you. And God's like, okay, go ahead. I'll just tell you, I don't want God to trust me that much. <laughs> come on, are you, are you hearing me? God be like, hey, God, I, I don't trust me that much. You shouldn't either. So, so but God's like, yeah. Go, go after it. If you're not familiar with the story, the devil begins, I mean, this onslaught of attacks. He takes his ch Job's children, takes his livestock, takes all his possessions, everything valuable to Job except for his wife. And Job's like, really? <laughs> and the devil's like, listen, I'm punishing you. She stays. Uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> little humor, guys. Come on, little humor. See, here's the thing, the, de the devil, the enemy of your soul, he knows where to hit you, where it'll hurt you the most. Are you hearing me? You understand that? He will remove people from your life. He'll also allow people to stay in your life. Both are punishments. Think about that. See, when you read this whole story of Job, almost the entire book is Job said, why? His friends, why? There's got to be an answer to this. We've got to, well, Job, you're sinning. Somebody sinning. Something's happening. Why is this happening to you? Children gone. Why? Family destroyed. Why? Everything taken from him. Why? Body covered in sores. Why? There's got to be a reason. And there comes a time when Job quits asking why. Quit trying to understand it all. And he says this in Job 23, 10. But he, God, he knows every detail of what is happening to me. And when I'm tested, I'm going to come out as pure gold. Job is saying, I'm in a winter season right now. I'm in a season I would never choose for myself. But I know when I come out of this season... I'm going to come out as pure gold. And if you know the story at the end of his life, God doubles everything. Doubles everything. But here's what we need to understand about this story. There was a season in Job's life when God allowed him to go through some testing. He didn't send it, but he allowed it. Or are you following me? God knew that he said, listen, I'm going to prove to the devil that there is someone that will stay faithful to me throughout it. And there are times that God wants to do that through us. And he'll allow us to walk through winter seasons so that they'll prove, hey, you know, Damon, Damon and his wife, they walked through a hard season with the loss of his daughter. But I'm going to prove to people that he will stay strong no matter what the situation he said, he, he said, listen, Katie, she put up with a lot of junk when Brent was in his addiction. But what I'm doing, I'm going to prove that what happens when a wife stays and prays and continues to believe. I'm going to prove something to this world. 
I'm going to prove that even in the darkest moments, the light can't outshine it. Listen, guys, we are in a dark place right now in, in our time in this world. And I believe God is saying, it's time for you to shine, not hide it. Prove to the world that I'm still alive. Prove to the world that we love people that are different from us. Prove to the world that I came for everybody regardless. Prove. I'm going to close with this. I love Rocky movies. You know, I love the Rocky movies. Uh, Adrian, thank you. That, that wasn't your best impression. Who did that impression? Who was it? That was, oh, that was, that was Jesse. Adrian, yo, yo, Adrian. You got it. Anyway, we'll do that later, Jesse. Tomorrow night at discipleship group. Thank you. There was, there was some of the first movies I watched with my, my dad. Do you remember uh, Rocky Four, Where he travels to Russia to fight Ivan Drago. Stay with me. There was a training sequence that took place in this movie. Where he, Rocky left his home turf. Flew to the Soviet Union to train. See, he knew if there's a chance that I'm going to beat this guy, I've got to train under different conditions, different weather, different altitude, different climate. I've got to get my lungs where they can take this altitude. I've got to get my body used to this kind of weather. I'm going to put my body through some things that I don't necessarily want to go through. But if I'm going to beat this giant of a man, this is what it takes. And see, Rocky could have very easily just flew back home and said, you know what, forget it. And nobody would have, they would have, said, they would have understood. But the Rocky Balboa that you and I have grown to love is not about to back down from a fight. And he's willing to put himself through training that he normally wouldn't have had to go through to fight an enemy that is bigger, stronger, better than See, maybe God is training. Maybe the winter you're in right now, God is trying to create some muscles that wouldn't have been developed otherwise. Maybe He's trying to get the lung, your, the, the oxygen capacity of your lungs to where you can hold out more, to where you can run further. Come on. Rocky could have ran back home, but what he did is what we've got to do you must remain. In the darkest and the coldest part of your winter, you must remain. In John 15 that we read from verses 4 to 7, four verses, Jesus says five times, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. It's looked like he's trying to tell us your success in the cutting, your success through the pruning is going to be decided on whether you remain in me. When it would be easier to run, remain. 
When it'd be easier to call it quits, remain. When it would be easier just to bail, remain. And let's be honest, there are people in your life that would completely understand if you walked away. But I'm telling you, stay. Remain even when you want to run. Remain even when it would be easier to leave. Remain even if you feel like God is absent or silent. Remain even when you feel like He isn't hearing you. Keep showing up. Keep moving forward. Yes, you're in a season you never would have chosen for yourself or your family, but you must remain. Somebody needs to hear me. Remain even when it hurts. Remain when you don't understand. Remain when things look hopeless. Remain if all you can do is just sit there and cry. Just remain. See, you need to understand, you're not just in a fight for your life. You're in a fight for your sanity. You're in a fight for your children, your grandchildren, those that are coming up after you. And you've got to remain. Why? Because you're showing them. When it gets tough, I don't tuck tail and run. I remain. Even when I can't feel Jesus, He's there. I heard somebody say this years ago, and it's been said here. The teacher is always silent during a test. Not that they're absent. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask them to sing a song that they did during this play. We didn't do this at the 9 a.m., but I felt so strong to do it here. Because there are some of you that are walking through some winter seasons of your life. You may feel like God has abandoned you. You may feel like you've done so much wrong or made so many bad choices that there is no good choice left to make. But you need to know He's never left you. He's there. He's there. Just remember.